Hello, Tegan here. Welcome to my podcast that does not have a name yet. Uh, hopefully by the time I post this it will, but don't hold your breath because I suck at naming things. Um, I've never tried anything like this before, but here I am and we are doing it. Um, I want to discuss my experience with horses in general in this pilot episode. I grew up in a rodeo family. I was very involved in just the rodeo community in general. I started out... Um, I mean, I've been barrel racing since I, I could essentially stay on long enough to to run the pattern. And I grew up in junior rodeo. I mean, I did pretty much every event you can think of. Um, really, my main things were barrels, poles, and breakaway. But I also did some goat tying and steer daubing and <laughs> a lot of different just gaming events. Um, we went, my family went to a junior rodeo pretty much every other weekend, honestly, during, throughout the summer. Uh, we went to barrel races, I mean, 40 races, play days, all that jazz. So I was really heavily involved in the rodeo community and just absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, I look back on my childhood now and I think like, gosh, I wish I could recapture some of that just childlike joy that I had going to barrel races with my mom and my sister and having those travels with my family. Um, my dad was a professional, professional steer wrestler. My mom trained barrel horses. So yeah, we were really, I mean, really involved in the community. Um, after that, I kind of moved into the professional world as a trainer. I'd always been, I've always been a trainer at heart. Like that was one thing that, that always just captured my attention was horse training. Um, and not just the competition side of it. I started training ponies and reselling them when I was about 10 years old. I got my first project pony. Uh, she, she did not turn out how I wanted her to, but I did end up finding her a good home and continued training ponies for a long time after that. It was, I mean, for a kid, it was a great moneymaker. It was a good experience just learning how the market works and how horse training in general is works and how you can bring a horse from from basically knowing nothing into a more finished product. Um, I then went on to work at a dressage barn that was about uh, five miles from my house. Uh, the gal who runs the farm was a is a breeder of Andalusian horses, and she had generally about sixty head at a time there. Um, she would breed anywhere from fifteen to twenty foals a year, and so we were responsible for. I mean breaking colts in, teaching foals how to lead, I mean, basic stable hand stuff like mucking out stalls and just keeping the barn clean. But that was really my first introduction into the industrialized horse world um, and just how brutal it can be. And that was kind of what started pushing me towards clicker training in the first place. Um, I had... I, as I was working, like when I first started working at this place, um, I didn't know anything at all about clicker training. I didn't even know it existed. I I knew about like rewards-based training. I'd trained tricks with my horses before. Um, just, just little things like, I think I started teaching Harmony to bow at one point and, um, but never really understood the idea of a bridge signal and how that incorporates into rewards-based training. But when I got to this job, it... At first, I didn't realize how violent horse training was and how 
horrible it could be from the animal's perspective. I just continued doing what I was taught, applying a lot of a lot of heavy pressure on my horses. And I mean, some of the things that we did when I was working at this ranch, I mean, it was bad. Like, had I not had that experience, I don't know if I ever would have been pushed into clicker training because it just, it started to wear on me. Like, I mean, I used, I started to just hate the idea of training my horses and I would feel so bad after a ride because I'd whip too hard or because I was digging my spurs into my horse's side because I thought that that was the only way you could get a behavior. Um, and I, I had, I took some horses. I started, uh, there was a colt there who was, uh, I started riding him when he was about four, but he'd been sent off for 60 days. So he'd been started, but I really started to train him after those 60 days. And I ended up spending about a year with him, I believe, and took him from, um, just really, really green broke to being, um, to starting him, you know, with some of the basics of dressage and, I look back on how I trained him and I just realize how pressured I felt to get his get those behaviors out of him by any means necessary. Um, I mean, I would seesaw on the bit to get him to put his head down and spur him when he would slow down, use the whip excessively, just trying to get him to round over his back. And I realize now that no true, a horse cannot use their back in a true way unless they are relaxed. I mean, relaxation is the foundation of horse training. And really the only reason that this horse progressed at all in his training was because he was so forgiving and so gentle that he never said no when I was so harsh with him. He just took it and always tried to find the release. And had I had only horses like that, I don't know if I would have switched over to clicker training, but then cue my girl Harmony. So I got Harmony as, when she was three years old. She was my 16th birthday present and what a birthday present she was. Um, just beautiful Palomino quarter horse mare. I love her. She is my heart horse. Um, but she really is the horse that, that made me consider, reconsider how I was training because she wouldn't take it. Like she, I mean, I have had so many struggles with this horse. She was a bolter. Um, any escalating pressure just made her stress out. I mean, she would, her head would come up. She would be so strong in the bridle. I got so frustrated with her so many times and just took out my frustration on her. Um, and just destroyed any trust that we had for the first, I mean, several years of training her. And then I really started to reconsider what I was doing as I got into the dressage, more of the dressage training and starting to understand biomechanics and how a horse needs to use their body in order to properly carry a rider. Um, but she, she still didn't respond well to it. Even when I would ride quiet and try to get her to work over her back and started working on a long and low. Um, and she got, she got a little bit better there for a while. Like she was, I could ride her. I mean, I, I was riding her bridalist at the, at the end before I, before I switched over to clicker training. Um, so she was, I mean, she was coming along to a certain degree, but I just could, it was like, I could never get over the hump. I mean, 
every time I tried to run barrels on her, she just was a runaway. And I, for a long time, I just slapped bigger and bigger bits on her, trying to get her to shut down. Um, I mean, some of the bits I put on this horse were nasty, and I would never use them now. Um, but I mean, twisted wire gag bits, long shanks with crazy mouthpieces, pretty much anything I could get my hands on that I thought would slow her down. And they work to a certain degree in the sense that she, she did come back to me because it hurt so much in her mouth that she, she just couldn't, I mean, she couldn't run through it. Um, but it never actually fixed the problem. I mean, she would still be a runaway. She would run to the fence when I would try to go any faster than a canner through the pattern. Um, she just was a mess. And I couldn't figure out why. So going back to the job I was working at the time, I started to get really, really frustrated with how we were working with the horses. Um, I just, I started, like, I would feel horrible every time after I left work thinking I could have handled the situation better. We were aggressively using whips. I mean, nose change, lip chains, twitches. I mean, pretty much everything you can think of. And just, I mean, for little things, like I remember walking a horse down, just down the fence line in the arena and she was scared of the, of the concrete walls that made up the fence in the indoor arena. And I, instead of showing her that the fence was okay, I decided it would be a better idea to yank on her chain, on her nose chain until she stopped trying to come over the top of me to get away from the fence. And... That kind of sums up the stuff that we did at this at the ranch to, you know, quote unquote, train these horses. And it got to the point where I knew there had to be some other way. Like I couldn't take it anymore. And I started just looking for other other methods of training, whether that was, you know, kinder pressure and release. I didn't know. I didn't have a clue that anything like clicker training could even exist. And I found a podcast that brought up clicker training. And at first I was like, what is this? Like, this doesn't make any sense. How can you train horses with just food? Like, how, do, how does that even translate to riding? How does that translate to all these other things? Well, I kept, I was intrigued though. So I kept listening and I started really getting into it. And it was, it completely changed the way I was thinking about horses. I mean, once I dug into the clicker training stuff, I just, like, I started learning more about a whole horse approach. I mean, learning about hoof care and body work and all these other just health issues and learning to read my horse's expressions, learning what com true communication is. Um, I started to understand that you have to take in your horse's just full health and not just think of it as a training issue. I mean, a good percentage of training issues that we have are caused by a physical issue that the, that is going on with the horse. And I mean, once I got into this, it just, it became impossible for me to continue using violence in my horse training. I couldn't stand it anymore. The cognitive dissonance was horrible. Um, I ended up quitting my job after some things went down with some of the foals that I won't get, that I'm not going to get into details about. But I really started questioning how just the entire horse world thought about training. 
I got in, I mean, I started studying bit mechanics and ended up cleaning out a huge chunk of my bit collection. <laughs> I mean, I was your traditional barrel racer. I had probably 10, 20 different bits that I would use and I would use several of them per week on the same horse, um, trying to fix different problems or just, just because I enjoyed swip- switching bits around. So I, I first started, I mean, I started cleaning out my gag bits and my twi- twisted wire bits. I got, I got rid of those abrasive mouthpiece piece bits first. Um, starting to understand just how abrasive a twisted wire mouthpiece is. And started cleaning those out and then eventually I worked my way down to where I was mostly using snaffles, but I still had a few leverage bits and a few elevator bits on hand. And then eventually got to where now I own one leverage bit and it's tiny and I haven't used it and probably won't use it again. Um, unless I am doing something that's on a loose rein and I go get into the more bridle horse stuff or uh, maybe for roping eventually. But for my barrel racing, I have switched almost entirely to snaffles and side poles, um, which if you saw what bits I was using beforehand, you would realize how much of a change that was. Um, I mean, I was into draw gags and yeah, twisted wire mouthpieces, combo combo gags that have a nose band as well as, a, as the gag portion. Um, just kind of your traditional, what you think of when you think of barrel racing bits. And I have completely just overhauled my bit collection. But as this was happening, I started to reassess what was going on with Harmony and as I switched to more ki- or to kinder methods and saw that she wasn't really getting any better, I started to question why. Like why is she why is she still trying to take off with me? Why is she why why does she keep doing this? Like what what is going on? There has to be something else. So I got a lameness exam done on her just as a preventative and she cleared. Um she was a little bit like the vet was like, well, oh, she may eventually have something in her hawks, you know, down the road, but she she cleared her, her lameness exam. So I was like, cool, cool. Let's just keep going. We'll keep trying to run her. I will just keep training, keep working on softness, just trying to get her to come down and just be calm and relax under saddle. And she just, she couldn't do it. I mean, I would get on and she would just be anxious the whole ride. There, I mean, I, there were maybe a handful of rides I can think of on her where I got off feeling good about the ride. But most of the time I was stressed, she was stressed and I couldn't figure out why. Um, and for some, I mean, I, since I've been riding since I was a kid, this was something that I was like, I, like, why is this, why can I not figure out what is going on with this horse? I mean, she looked great. Her feet were good. She, she just, there was something there that wasn't right. And I got a tip. I got a tip that, well, maybe, maybe you should check her for kissing spine. Uh, Her symptoms were definitely not traditional for kissing spine horses. Uh, Usually, from what I know, kissing spine horses usually have a bucking problem or they're hesitant to go forward on their saddle or they're just cranky all the time. Um, Harmony was none of those things. She bucked once as a three-year-old and then never bucked again. Um, she was never cranky. She, she had very different symptoms. She was just, she was super strong in the bridle. I mean, even in leverage bits, like she would pull on my hands and it felt like I was constantly fighting with her in the bridle and constantly half halting, constantly doing, I mean, basically 80% of all of our rides were just softening exercises with the bit because she couldn't, because I couldn't get her to be soft. 
Um, and she would bolt on occasion, um, especially when we tried to do anything faster than canter. Anytime I asked her to gallop, whether that was just on, like, going on trail rides and just having fun, you know, in a field, just wanting to gallop, like, you know, like you see in the movies, um, or whether it was running barrels or anything, she just was a complete runaway. And I had never experienced anything like that before. I mean, I'd had hot horses and all that, but I'd never had a horse that just took off with me every single time I tried to go faster than a canter. So I got this tip that, well, maybe you should check her for kissing spine. So I took, I took her to the vet um, in October of 2021. So last October. And turns out she does have, a, she has a mild case of kissing spine that has been causing significant inflammation in her back, especially with the weight of her rider. And it was like a light bulb came on. I was like, it, it, it's not me. Like it's not, it's not um, my, like this had nothing to do with, with um, how I'd, how I was training now. Like my, my kind methods didn't have, it didn't have anything to do with um, why she wasn't, wasn't progressing in her training. It was all because of this. Like she was in pain every time I rode her. So her reaction was to run. And after that, I stopped riding her completely. Um, this was about about nine-ish months into my clicker training journey. I had started out just, I kind of went slowly into clicker training. Um, I know some people have gone, just went completely cold turkey into it, which I totally get um, because it's such an awesome method. Like a lot of people want to switch immediately, but I was still training professionally at the time in the traditional world and I was still running barrels. And um, I just kind of started incorporating clicker training into my program. But when Harmony got diagnosed with kissing spine, I decided that I was going to clicker train her almost exclusively from then on out. So we've been doing just primarily clicker training for the last um, about five months now. Um, a lot of rehab. I have not. I have not ridden her since October. Um, she has been just in a rehab program, just getting her used to like carrying herself better and in a long and low frame on the ground at Liberty. And let me tell you, it has completely revolutionized the way she moves. I mean, even just when I watch her out in the pasture, she carries herself. It's, it's like she floats. And it's, it's so amazing to watch how that has completely changed her, just the way she moves. Um, and her, like her attitude, since we switched completely to clicker training, she is excited to work. I mean, she used to be hard to catch on, on occasion. She would, um, I would walk out there with a halter and she would walk away from me. She, she did not like to be ridden, um, obviously because she was in pain, but once I started, once I started clicker training her just on the ground, I mean, it took a while. It took a while for her to realize that what I was doing wasn't going to hurt and that she had the opportunity to say no. But once she realized that, it was like a complete change. And the communication between her and I just opened up. I mean, I go out there now and I just, it's like, this is going to sound so weird, but it's like, I can read what she's thinking and I know when she's ready to go and I know when she needs to stop. And for a while, she definitely used that. I mean, she said no quite frequently for a long time. And when we were working at Liberty, she would just, she'd just walk away. 
And that was fine. I just let her. I sat down on the mounting block and scrolled through Instagram or um, just watched her as she moved around the arena and went and checked things out. But she almost always came back. And when she did come back, I would just reinforce um, being with me and that I wasn't going to force her into doing anything um, without her, without her, it being her choice. And now after a few months of that, she almost never says no. I mean, occasionally she will. She will walk away or she will just, you know, just move from me or you can, I can see it in her eyes that it's not what she, that she doesn't want to do it or she'll just refuse. So like if I tell, if I ask her to trot and she doesn't want to trot, she'll just, she just won't. But on the flip side, the yes that I get now is so incredible. I mean, she just, she starts to, like, she just gets so excited about work. And she has a few, she has a few behaviors that she really likes. I mean, let's just say that I had to put that hip target on, um, on stimulus control really, really fast because she about wiped me out a few times. So there's a little hint for all of you who are training a hip target. Make sure you put that on cue because that can be a problem. Um, but once we got that on cue, man, she loves offering that behavior, (laughs) that behavior. And she's got, I mean, she almost moves entirely with her head down now because I've reinforced that so much on the lunge line. And just when we're going around, when we're doing uh, Liberty leading and target training, she just almost always has her head on the ground because with kissing spine rehab, I wanted to make sure that was a very well-established behavior. No hollow horses around here. We want nice over the back elevated frames. Um, but I am super excited to, excited to restart her under saddle. I, I just got some, I got her re-x-rayed just a few days ago. Um, there wasn't any change in the, the structure of her bones, um, which is understandable. I mean, with clicker or with kissing spine rehab, sometimes it can take up to a year or more to actually see long-term results from, from the rehab, but between her mental state and just the way her body has changed after doing the rehab and the way she carries herself now, um, my vet gave me the green light to go ahead and try restarting her under saddle. I am planning to do it completely with as, or with as much plus R as I, as I can uh, at Liberty, giving her the choice of whether or not I she wants me on her back or not. That's also gonna make it very obvious if she is in pain because I can then I can then tell just very clearly if she, if she's hurting or not. Um, because <laughs> once she figured out that no button, she's trust me, she's not afraid to use it. So I'm gonna start restart. I'm gonna restart her very very slowly under saddle and just see how it goes. Um, I'm very excited to learn from that experience. But I, I've got to sit on her the last couple days, and man, it feels good to be on her back again without her looking at me like she just wants me to get off. Um, and it may not work. She may, her, her back may flare up again. Uh, we may have problems with that. And if it comes to that, then I can look into surgery or, or just, just do groundwork with her. I mean, she's not in any pain when she's, when she's just out in the pasture or when we're doing Liberty work, she's always, she's just so happy to do Liberty work. Um, because the surgery, I mean, between 
between the money and the time in the rehab and then just putting her putting her through that because they have to be on stall rest for a fairly extended amount of time. I don't know if it's worth it to put her through that um, that experience when I don't know if it's really worth it to me and to her in, just in order to ride. Um, but for now, we are going ahead with riding slowly, like I said, just trying to recondition, recondition some of those past experiences that she had under saddle and going, going with that. But yeah, so that is my experience with clicker training. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast and I am very much a beginner at this. So bear with me as I go through and try to organize my thoughts in spoken form and keep on the lookout for other podcasts. I think I'm just going to be posting as I feel like it. Um, Also check me out on Instagram. I am TJ Horsemanship and on Facebook, Tegan Johnson and give me a like and a follow. So thank you all for tuning in.